We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.com. On today's show, the second episode in a series exploring hereditary cancer and genetics, we will be talking about Lynch syndrome. Lynch syndrome is a rare inherited condition that increases a person's risk for colorectal cancer as well as some other types of cancer. Uh, Fortunately, it is possible to test a person's genes for the presence of Lynch syndrome. So today we will also be discussing genetic testing and uh, how that testing really can be used to assess a person's risk for Lynch syndrome and ultimately risk for certain um, other cancers. Uh, Our show today is being brought to you in part by Myriad uh, Genetics. So, uh, you know, cancer develops in all people uh, as a result of a gene mutation. We know that, and for, for most people who develop cancer, Gene mutations develop and progress over the course uh, of a person's lifetime, which means that folks generally get cancer um, later in life. We, you know, we know that uh, that cancer more commonly occurs in older adults than in younger folks, and um, this type of slow developing cancer is sometimes known as sporadic cancer. But on the other hand, sometimes people are born with uh, defects in their genes, uh, mutations that are inherited from their, their family, from their parents. And the inherited genes are more commonly known as genetic mutations. And again, we're going to be getting into all of these terms uh, with, with our guests. Um, I just want to give you some background here. Um, unfortunately, people born with, uh, with mutated or damaged genes can be at greater risk for developing, developing cancer than, um, than others. So, when cancer occurs because of a gene mutation that someone is born with rather than a slow-developing mutation, the cancer is referred to as hereditary uh, cancer. And Lynch syndrome is one of the many different types of genetic conditions that can bring about a cancer diagnosis. So um, a few quick facts about Lynch syndrome, and then I'm going to bring our great guests in here. Um, men and women diagnosed with Lynch syndrome have a lifetime risk of developing colorectal cancer that can be almost as high as 80%. Um, women with Lynch syndrome have 40, 40 to 60% lifetime risk of developing endometrial cancer. It's a gynecological cancer that begins in the lining of the uterus. And uh, although most cancers are not inherited, 
about 5% uh, of people with colorectal cancer or endometrial cancer also have Lynch syndrome. So in the next hour, I will be speaking with two uh, wonderful guests about this important topic. Um, it is our hope that after listening to the show today, you will feel informed, uh, you will feel empowered, um, not only about Lynch syndrome, but about uh, the genetic testing options that are available to people who might be concerned about their cancer risk. And this is only going to be a topic that's going to get much more attention now uh, and into the future. So maybe you know someone who has a history of cancer in their family or thinks they may have uh, inherited a gene mutation uh, such as Lynch syndrome. Whatever the case, we're going to discuss several options available to people uh, concerned about their cancer risk and and how to access genetic testing. So so, uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Cindy Robinson, to the show today. Cindy is a colorectal cancer survivor who, upon being diagnosed with colorectal cancer in 2007, then discovered that she tested positive for Lynch syndrome. And uh, based on her cancer experience and her commitment to promoting awareness on uh, colorectal cancer, Cindy serves as a patient advocate for the uh, colorectal cancer support organization Fight Colorectal Cancer, and they are a, a longstanding partner of the cancer support community. So welcome, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We are also joined by Jill Stopfer, uh, Stopfer a uh, certified genetic counselor, a founding member of the Cancer Genetics Program at the Abramson Cancer Center at the University of Pennsylvania. It was founded in 1994. Uh, Jill works with individuals and families with hereditary risk for breast, ovarian, colon, and other cancers, and on a number of uh, research projects looking to identify and characterize genes involved in cancer risk. She was actually one of the first genetic counselors in the country to focus primarily in oncology. And Jill, it is Stoffer, right? That's right. Excellent. So welcome to the show, Jill. Thanks so much for having me. So I really appreciate you guys being a part of this conversation. I want to jump right in and and, and start with you, Cindy. Um, So tell us about when you were diagnosed with uh, colorectal cancer, and at what point did you discover that you were that you tested positive for for, for Lynch syndrome? Kind of walk us through that your your story. Um, I was 46 and pretty much feeling pretty good. Um, You know, felt felt very healthy. at that time in my life, was was having a little bit of dizziness or whatever, but went in for a regular, um, actually a gynecological exam, when my doctor could feel the tumor in me, um, and that started my my journey um, into the colorectal cancer realm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Not the one I was looking for that day at all. Yeah. Um, and um, it was um, a pretty. The ball was very quickly rolling from that point on. Um, I was very quick to want to deal with it. My doctors were very, uh, very proactive. Um, I asked them to just be, you know, very upfront, just give it to me straight, and let's just deal with it um, as quickly as possible. And so we did. And it was about um, probably about two months after that, um, when before I was tested for Lynch syndrome. But a month after I was um Diagnosed, my one and only sibling was also diagnosed with colorectal cancer, mm. and he was 48. Um, so at that time, my doctors are looking at it and going, you know, my father mm-hmm. had colon cancer in his 40s. His mm. relatives had had it. Let, let's do some testing here. My surgeon didn't want to do my the, the surgery on me in if, if someone else was going to come back in and mess with it, if I was to have tested positive for Lynch syndrome, then the, the chances that I might have some sort of gynecological cancer increased, and they didn't want someone oh. to come back in on me. And being that I already had four kids, they're like, you know, you have now tested positive. We need to do a complete hysterectomy on you 
to to just wipe out any worries of anything ever happening to you. With mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's how that all started. And um, so I found out just a couple of days before my surgery that I tested positive for Lynch syndrome, and then had to make the decision to go ahead and have a, a complete hysterectomy along with my colorectal surgery. And your brother tested positive as well. He did, um, and he died a year later from um, mm. colorectal cancer. And um, his two children have been tested, and they both tested positive. Wow. The genes. Wow, wow. So, Jill, let's, let's uh, drill down on this a little bit. So what, what are um, – talk to us a little bit about uh, Lynn syndrome. Talk about the risk factors associated with developing a hereditary uh, cancer, um, a Lynn syndrome. And obviously I'm sure the, the question on everybody's mind is uh, – uh, Cindy talked about her brother's children who've both tested positive uh, uh, for the gene. Does having a genetic mutation or testing positive for the gene guarantee that they will, in fact, develop cancer? So, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I think um, I want to say, uh, first of all, about things like Lynch syndrome uh, that are hereditary, that most of us, in fact, carry some sort of hereditary risk for something. So first of all, I want to say that um, this is an experience that more and more of us will be able to learn about as uh, the field of genetic science goes forward and more genes are discovered. And in general, we're enthusiastic about these types of investigations when, like in Cindy's case, there are things to do about it. And Lynch syndrome is an excellent example of a condition where if you have this knowledge, you have some very powerful information that allows you to make the best choices possible given your situation. And more and more of us are going to have the benefit of this type of information. So for those of us out there who have this type of hereditary risk, it is going to be more and more common that uh, we are able to take advantage of this type of information. Um, this type of information gives you insights. It gives you um, an assessment about how do my chances compare to the average person's chances and how can I take my best shot at staying healthy. What it doesn't give us is a crystal ball that tells you this is what's going to happen and this is the way it's going to happen and this is when it's going to happen. Um, So while genetic information, like the knowledge of Lynch syndrome, can certainly give you very important insights and help you make very good medical decisions, it doesn't tell you at the end of the day for sure what's going to happen. Um, And you had asked, is there a 100% chance if you have this type of genetic risk, will you for sure get cancer? And the the answer is no. Um, No, it's not a 100% chance for almost any of the hereditary conditions that we know about that predispose to cancer, with, with a few exceptions. Um, but in the case of Lynch syndrome, your odds yeah. are significantly different from what the average person faces, that okay. there are things that you would do that the average person wouldn't. All right, Jill, we've got a couple minutes until we go to our first break here, but, but let's drill down on this a little bit. Um, uh, I know we've got a lot to cover on the show today. So if someone, if someone is diagnosed with, with colorectal cancer, how do they even know if they should be tested for Lynch syndrome? What's the so, profile? Yeah, that's a great question. So colorectal cancer is one of the more common cancers in this country. Mm -hmm. About 6% of us will develop colon cancer. That's about 143,000 people in this country. And um, there are some hallmarks for uh, Lynch syndrome that let you get insights about how likely or not it is. Uh, We know that, for example, people who are diagnosed before the age of 50 
are more likely to have some sort of inherited predisposition. The fact mm-hmm. that it happens sooner points to there being some sort of a, a vulnerability there. So being diagnosed before the age of 50 is a, is a clue, not diagnostic, but a clue. Uh, when you see colon cancer more than one generation, seeing mm-hmm. it in a parent and a child, uh, seeing it in siblings, um, seeing it in multiple generations in the, on the same lineage and the same side of the family, that's a clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we see related forms of cancer, so someone who, who is familiar with these conditions can look at the mm-hmm. whole family tree and see what are the other cancers we see. And as in Cindy's family, there's a history of both endometrial and colon cancer together. We know those can be linked in the setting of Lynch syndrome, so that was a big clue about whether or not it was present. Okay. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. Um, we are talking today about uh, hereditary cancer, hereditary risk of cancer, genetic links, genetic uh, uh, predispositions, mutations. Um, we're taking a sort of a complicated topic and we're trying to make it easy to understand um, so that we, we can learn about what questions we should be asking around these hereditary questions. If, if you're diagnosed with cancer, if someone, a loved one is diagnosed with cancer, we're also talking about a specific uh, uh, genetic predisposition called Lynch uh, syndrome. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, 
Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Genentech and Celgene. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today I am joined by Cindy Robinson, a colorectal cancer survivor and patient advocate, and Jill Stoffer, a certified genetic counselor. Uh, today's episode marks the second installment in a series about hereditary cancer and genetics. We're actually talking specifically today about Lynch syndrome, an inherited condition that can increase a person's risk for several types of cancers, particularly uh, colorectal cancer. Um, I want to go back, uh, Jill. We were talking before the break. If, if someone is diagnosed um, with colorectal cancer or, or uh, uh, other cancers, I, I, I'm sure folks want to know and understand when they should get a genetic test, under what circumstances. So let's go back. Let's pick up where we were before the break, Jill. And if you can just go back a little bit and say, okay, diagnosed with colorectal cancer, um, here are some of the things that you should be aware of, questions you should be asking and thinking about to even determine whether you should be tested for this Lynch syndrome. Because I'm guessing, Jill, that they don't test everybody with colorectal cancer for this. Is that right? So, um, no, in general, no, that's not uh, done, although there are some institutions that are screening all colorectal tumors for features of Lynch syndrome, which makes it a very unique kind of hereditary uh, uh, cancer in, in that mm-hmm. increasingly there are ways to screen more broadly um, people, everyone who has this particular type of tumor, a colon tumor, to see if there are features in the tumor. And that's something that's uh, a little bit unique to Lynch syndrome in that you can look at the tumor itself, little bits of tumor tissue, and look for certain types of molecular signatures, certain types of gene errors present in the tumor itself that gives you an insight about why it developed in the first place. So there actually are some centers that are screening sometimes all colon cancers. There's one um, uh, institution, Ohio State, that's screening all colon cancers and all endometrial cancers, the tumors themselves, to look for features of Lynch syndrome. And then only a small number of people will have some of these features present in the tumor that will then be referred for genetic counseling and consideration of uh, further testing. For most people, the big hallmark or clue is going to come from your personal diagnosis. Was it on the earlier side? And do you have family history of this condition also in a close relative? And it's going to be... Yeah. You know, the way most people are identified. So I thought it was interesting that Cindy said, once Cindy kind of reported on this family history, her father, her brother, uh, you know, other family That's relatives, right. mm-hmm. that, that, that they wanted to do this test first before they decided, before they did surgery and decided on a, a, a path of treatment. So why, why, why was that? Why did they want to, when they saw kind of the family risk, why did they want to do the Lynch syndrome test first before they charted out her, her treatment path? Right. So Cindy was very lucky. She worked with people who were knowledgeable about this condition. We know that if you have Lynch syndrome, that the chances that you're going to continue to develop polyps and possibly colon cancer uh, is much higher than the average person. So the chance that you'll get another colon cancer and then potentially another colon cancer uh, are significant. Mm. And so people who have Lynch syndrome, the recommendation is not just to remove a portion of the colon, um, a little segment of the colon around the tumor and then some normal tissue on either side. That's, that's the typical cancer operation. Mm-hmm. If you have 
If you have Lynch syndrome, though, all the remaining portion of the colon or the intestine is still at high risk of developing yet another cancer. Mm -hmm. And so to lower that risk, to prevent that from happening, it is a standard recommendation to take not just a little segment, but to remove uh, the majority of the colon at the time of a cancer diagnosis. And unfortunately, we've seen people who have not had Cindy's experience where uh, they did just have the standard cancer operation and mm -hmm. they were not referred to genetics until after their third colon cancer was diagnosed. And, and that's mm -hmm. so unfortunate um, that those individuals weren't picked up and given that same option that, that Cindy was given. Um, so, so Cindy, once they, once they did do the test, Cindy, and you found out that you had Lynch syndrome, then what was the, what was the surgery? What was the course of treatment that you had? Well, I'd already been through the six weeks of daily radiation and chemo um, mm -hmm. before we found out that I had the Lynch syndrome. Um, and their big concern was that I would develop some sort of um, endometrial, uterine, ovarian-type cancer, and they didn't mm -hmm. They didn't want me to have to have any kind of surgery in that area based on the surgery that they were doing in the colorectal area because they did not remove my complete colon, but they did remove most of it, and they kind of reorganized some areas down there. Um, and so they said, you know, let's just get the rest of your, your, let's get your uterus out, let's get your ovaries out, let's get all this stuff out. You don't, really don't need it anymore, and, and we don't have to worry about you developing those cancers. So that was really preventative. Yes, that was very preventative. And it is one less thing. I don't have to worry about developing ovarian cancer. So what is your screening now, Cindy? Are you being screened right. for other kinds of cancers? Or what is your regular screening program now that you know you're at this higher risk? Well, I did continue my chemo treatment after that um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as recommended by my doctor. And now I have a colonoscopy um, every year. Um, and I don't have to do some of the other screenings for the, the gynecological cancers because I don't have it. I don't have those body parts, so I don't have right. to do that. But I do understand um, because my daughter was just tested um, two weeks ago, and now the recommendation is that Lynch syndrome candidates also have an endoscopy and a little camera endoscopy every two years because we're mm -hmm. more likely to develop a gastric cancers. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is something I just found out about. So I'm in the process of scheduling that procedure um, now. But um, so generally, it's just having the colonoscopy every year. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Jill. So we we understand the Lynch syndrome is associated with a higher risk of colorectal cancer, endometrial, other cancers also. Yes. So the, the, the risks that are the highest are the risk for colon cancer and the risk for endometrial cancer. All the other risks are significantly lower. So mm -hmm. third on the list would be the risk for ovarian cancer. And one of the reasons that people uh, really do, uh, again, across the board recommend that eventually after childbearing is complete, uh, that people think about removing the ovaries uh, is that the screening for ovarian cancer really is not so great. It's yeah. hard to find that particular cancer early uh, at an early and treatable stage. So um, prevention in Lynch often includes hysterectomy at some point after childbearing, including the uterus and the ovaries. Um, gastric cancer is one on the list as well mm -hmm. for Lynch syndrome, and that's one of the reasons that the upper endoscopy is done. It's just the, the tube that goes down your throat. You're sedated when that happens, so most people are woozy or sleep through the process, but they mm -hmm. can take a whole look there uh, at the stomach and then a little bit below the stomach as well. Um, there's an increased chance for uh, cancers of the urinary tract, 
So it can be the ureters or the kidneys, the bladders, and it's a particular type of cancer called a transitional cell carcinoma. And uh, these cancers are much less common, maybe about uh, 4 to 5 percent of people who have Lynch syndrome develop that mm-hmm. particular cancer. You can see cancers of the small bowel. Uh, the small intestine, although, again, not so common. Um, mm-hmm. Screening for small bowel cancer is not routine at this point, but it's mm-hmm. something that can be discussed uh, with individuals. Uh, so those are the main ones. We, we see some variant forms of Lynch syndrome where you can have particular types of skin lesions, sebaceous adenomas, uh, or sometimes even something called a sebaceous carcinoma, a certain mm-hmm. type of skin cancer, that can be associated with Lynch syndrome. And then rarely we see uh, certain forms of, of brain tumors associated with Lynch. But, again, that is a rare, rare. manifestation. And, Jill, the, the, to identify it, is it, is it a blood test or is it uh, what kind of test is it to identify the syndrome? So there are different ways to make the diagnosis. There are some families that just meet all the clinical criteria, and you really feel that this family, this person has Lynch syndrome based Mm. on the family history, based on their personal diagnosis, and the gene that causes this condition may or may not be able to be identified through genetic testing. Um, In some families, it can be. In some families, it can't. And it's important that people understand that when they go through the genetic testing process that if there is a clinical diagnosis, you can't say you don't have it just because the genetic testing wasn't able to find why it happened. Um, but there are several different genes that if, if the, one of these genes is altered or has some sort of a switch or change in the genetic code that prevents it from working the way it should, can give rise to Lynch syndrome. And the way to do genetic testing for most people is by obtaining a small blood sample and through the blood sample, you can extract or take out the DNA and focus in on these particular different genes to see, is there anything wrong with any of these genes that might explain the pattern in the family? And it's very helpful if you can find uh, a mutation or, or switch in the genetic code that explains it, because then you have a blood test, a simple blood test, that other family members now and in future generations can use to learn do I have Lynch syndrome also? Mm. And it's very important that um, if it is identified in the family, people be offered this testing because what they're going to do over a lifetime in regard to their screening is going to be very different from right. what family members who don't have this gene mutation uh, will be doing. Um, so, so, Cindy, we've only got a quick minute until the break, but... Um, did your doctor, when you were diagnosed, did your doctors do kind of a family history? And once they heard about your family history, they said, gosh, we should, we should test you for, for Lynch? Is that not how it happened? It, not at first. It wasn't. See, my brother was diagnosed a month after I was diagnosed mm. with cancer. So oh. then it was then that it went, whoa, okay, wait a minute. Um, we need to. And actually, my brother was actually never tested genetically for Lynch syndrome. But the doctor said, you know, I'm telling you, he has it. Just like she was talking about a clinical diagnosis, the doctor said, look at the history. He has Lynch syndrome. And so mm-hmm. they did test his children for it. They did test his children. Right. And so did, did, did you actually get the blood test for it? I did have the blood test for it. And um, so they, they run the whole gamut on me to see yeah. at which, which um, of the sequencing is, is to be diagnosed on, the, on, on that genetic scale. But um, when my children have been tested, then they just look for the one 
um, mismatch. I believe that's what they call it, Jill. Yeah, so, you know, when genetic testing is first done in a family, you can think of it like a big spell checking process. You're looking for a spelling error, like, you know, in a huge book. It's like taking a copy of War and Peace and someone saying, where is there a misspelling somewhere in right. this book? Right. If you can identify right. where the misspelling is, then testing for everyone else can focus in on that exact On spelling. that particular piece. And yeah. you can so we're, ladies, right. we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to pick right back up. Uh, we'll be right back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices, I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, on today's episode, which is being brought to you in part by Azi and, and uh, Morphotech, we're talking about uh, hereditary cancer, uh, genetics, and uh, risk, and we're talking about a variety of tests. Uh, we're talking particularly about Lynch syndrome, which is a condition that can increase a person's risk for certain cancers by up to even 80, uh, 80%. And I just want to go back right before the break, Jill. You were talking about, um, uh, you know, how, how we sort of find these, uh, uh, these genetic mutations and what these tests are looking for and screening for. Can we go back to that, Jill? Sure, sure. I was just saying that genetic testing um, is kind of like a big, a big spell checking process. Uh, what genetic testing does is it's looking at literally the letters of the genetic code and asking the question, 
do we expect this gene to work based on the way it's spelled? And most of the time, we can recognize uh, that the spelling is okay, that this gene's going to be just fine, or that if we look at these particular letters, we'll say, you know what, this is a misspelling, and this gene will not work given the letters in the genetic code that we're looking at. Um, occasionally, though, genetic testing is not straightforward, and the lab is going to look at the letters of the code and say, you know what, we're not sure. We're not sure if this spelling is okay. It may be okay and maybe it's not, and then the result is, is an indeterminate result. So genetic testing is not always straightforward, but when it is when it does work and when it is straightforward, and for, as it is for many families, as in Cindy's family, um, finding mutation means you've essentially found a spelling error, and then you know exactly where to look for other family members. And I, I was saying it's kind of like knowing exactly what page of an enormous book is misspelled, and then the laboratory work gets to be much simpler and also much less expensive for other family members because the process is so much easier. You know exactly where to look. You know which gene the genetic error is in. You can hone in on that one. You, it's like turning to page 632, you know, someone telling you mm -hmm. two lines down, and is that spelling error there, yes or no? And that also means testing is definitive for family members when you know genetic risk is detectable in a family. If a mutation has been found, then that means we know it will show up in our lab test. And that's not the case for every family with Lynch syndrome. Um, and that's why in families who you suspect maybe Lynch syndrome is there, testing really needs to start with someone who's already had a cancer, either a colon cancer preferably or an endometrial cancer, to ask and answer that question. Is genetic risk in this family detectable? Because a lot of times you'll see someone who's coming for advice and for assessment never had a cancer diagnosis, and they're saying appropriately to you, what, what's my chance? Look at my family history. Maybe I right. have a mother. Maybe I have a, a mother and a sister. Maybe it's on my father's side, which also we know counts just as much. You inherit half your genes from your dad, half from your mom. Um, so if there's a family history, often the person who comes seeking advice is the person who has never had cancer. And then we turn around and say to them, great question, but step one with genetic testing is best undertaken by studying someone who's already had a cancer to try to um, ask the question, will there be a detectable genetic change in your family? And then we can use that to test everyone else and, and, and um, informatively test them. But until you've established that, you can't start testing uh, someone who's never had a cancer diagnosis. And Kim, I could have be barking you, up I the wrong tree. I don't think I ever would have been tested for this if I hadn't been diagnosed. I don't. I even though my father had colon cancer in his 40s, it was so taken care of then, and we just didn't even talk about it afterwards. So the fact that I got diagnosed and then my brother got diagnosed, now all the children are going, well, wait a minute, what's in it? You know, what about me? And so, so Cindy, you have four children, is that I right? Do. I do. And they have, have all, they have, they, they've all been tested? They have not. I have one who's under 18, and they mm -hmm. won't test him until he's 18. Um, okay. I have my next one is 21, and he got tested when he was 19. He wanted to know. And I will tell you, my youngest child wants to know more mm -hmm. than anybody. He has wanted to know. Mm -hmm. um, so my son, other son was tested. He tested negative. The next child is 23, and she 
actually found out she tested positive the day I was asked to do this radio show. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And, um, and then your brothers has two children. And they were both, they both tested and they both tested positive. And so then, so what is the recommendation then, Cindy? What are they telling of the family members, the children who have tested positive? Now what is the recommendation for their uh, screening and, 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 and monitoring? Well, um, the, the girls are told, you know, you're in your 20s. If you're going to have children, you might want to just, you know, get, get on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't always work that way, though, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, you know, if that's something you're thinking about doing, you might right. want to, you know, complete that before you're 35 or 40. Um, yeah. and, and they are told to have the colonoscopies every year. Every year. Um, and um, as far as the other cancers, uh, yes. Especially the girls, then they have to. They're recommended to have the transvaginal ultrasounds um, and uh, to, to determine the endometrial cancer. Um, and as far as the, the skin cancers, I actually did have the sebaceous uh, carcinoma on my face mm. recently. Had to have that removed, um, and it's so quickly when you have these symptoms now that I think the cancer just snaps in place and it's like, oh yeah, I know how to do this, and it just grows so fast. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the hallmarks of Lynch syndrome, that things can happen more quickly in in Mm. folks with Lynch syndrome than in the population without. Uh, We know that there's a progression that is faster. So um, you can go from normal to polyp to colon cancer um, much more quickly. In, In the general population, that process typically takes about 10 years which is why um, they go tell from you normal have... to polyp to, to colon cancer. And in those with Lynch syndrome, you can see that process much accelerated. It can happen over the course of a year or two. So that phenomenon that a cancer can develop at a, at a much more rapid pace is, is part of Lynch syndrome and part of why it's so important to know if someone has it because the screening takes that into account and it's done at an interval that will hopefully keep people safe by monitoring for those things. And if they do develop, that you can be right on it and find it at its earliest possible stage. My brother had a colonoscopy nine years before he was diagnosed, and generally the general mm-hmm. population is told your colonoscopy is good for 10. So, so, Cindy, you have four children. Three of the four have been tested. Is that correct? Two of the four have been tested. One and one is... One, one is positive and one is negative? One has, yes, and one hasn't done it yet. Okay. And I actually asked my daughter right before the show started, the one who has been tested now, yes. why she waited, yes. and she said it was just one more thing that I didn't want to have to deal with. Mm. And she mm-hmm. said, though, now she's like, okay, I can deal with this now. She was a little scared when she got the results, but mm-hmm. she's like, you know what, I can deal with this. And this is what I tell my kids. The knowledge of knowing is power over the cancer. And so your son tested negative. Yes. So is there, what's the, is there any, what's been the discussion between the two of them? I mean, it's just luck of the draw, isn't it? It is. It's a 50-50, and Lynch syndrome takes not into consideration male or female. Mm -hmm. Um, And Lynch syndrome is, and Jill, correct me if I'm wrong, is only 3 to 5%, I believe, of the colon cancer population. That's right. Probably about three percent of the of the colon cancer population actually right. has Lynch syndrome. I hate being so special. <laughs> you know what? You're still in very good company. That's still because colon cancer is so common. That's still 
Uh, that's still a lot of people. And, again, as I said, more and more people are going to discover hereditary risk for something True, uh, in right. their family. And, and hopefully the knowledge will be used as you're using it to help keep families healthy. Um, understandably, it is something that can cause worry and anxiety. It's not the most fun thing to consider. Um, it's a big deal. Um, but over time, we hope that uh, people realize that the knowledge is power, as your family has concluded, and it provides these opportunities to make things better. Um, it really does. It, you know, if it's there, it's there. It's probably been there for many, many, many generations in your family. Um, yes. Most people are not the first one in their families to have Lynch syndrome. Typically, it was inherited from one parent or another who got it from their parent and, you know, and so on. Um, maybe there for thousands of years, in fact. So uh, we think that it can be very important to identify so that we can make things different going forward for people once we have this this knowledge in hand. And um, I also wanted to add, you know, the way we think in general about when is a good time to have genetic testing uh, typically surrounds when would it affect this person's medical care? When are there medical decisions to be made about screening? So in general, with Lynch syndrome, the screening colonoscopies um, are recommended to start between the ages of about 20 and 25, somewhere in that range. And there's always a little bit of tailoring for uh, individual families, but somewhere in that range, 20 to 25. So prior to that age, there's no real medical reason to know the information. Um, some people want to know, understandably. They're curious. They just want to know where do I stand. Um, but there's no big medical decision to be made. At the point where you really do need to know, uh, we are encouraging of uh, getting the information. Um, if you have Lynch syndrome, then you're going to have colonoscopies. We recommend every other year until age 40 and then annually thereafter, where someone who didn't inherit the Lynch syndrome gene mutation doesn't need to have colonoscopy until age 50. Um, that's when the average person starts screening. So even just looking at what happens in regard to colonoscopy screening, it's just a world of difference, starting between the ages of 20 and 25, doing it either every year, every other year, versus starting at age 50. Um, you can spare someone a great deal of screening if you learn that they don't have the familial mutation, and you can help someone a great deal, potentially avoid a cancer by getting that colonoscopy. If you have the colonoscopy, if a polyp is there, the, the pre-malignant lesion, you take out the polyp, and that polyp will never become a cancer. And yeah. that is the goal. Yeah, yeah. I, I think no, it's, it's such uh, helpful information. Cindy, we're going to just run to a quick break. Um, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about uh, uh, hereditary cancers, uh, genetic risk, genetic screening, particularly talking about something called Lynch syndrome, which is linked to a higher risk of colorectal cancer and other cancers. We're going to take a quick break uh, here. We'll be right back. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. 
Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, many people in this country are affected by hereditary cancer, and on today's show we're joined by Cindy Robinson, a colorectal cancer survivor living with Lynch syndrome, and Jill Stoffer, a certified uh, genetic counselor. We're sort of moving uh, to the end of our conversation here. Um, but, I, Jill, I just want to go back to this broader question, if you could just give me a, a, a quick response on this. I know it's a complicated issue, but um, I've been diagnosed with, with, with any form of cancer. I don't have any family risk. Um, should I get some kind of genetic testing? How do, how, do, how do people know when they should get some kind of genetic test for cancer? So the best place to start is typically talking to your doctor and asking that question, um, but also uh, uh, thinking about your family history. Um, if someone is the only one in their family to have any form of cancer, unless they were diagnosed at an early age, it's just not that likely that there's something a strong inherited risk factor that um, indicates genetic testing. Um, So if you're at a typical age for colon cancer, over the age of 50, uh, no one else in your family that you know of on either your mother or your father's side with any other type of cancer, then likely you're not really a candidate for genetic testing. If there is additional family history, then it's worth uh, a conversation with your doctor. If there is, you know, really something that everyone is identifying as suspicious, then um, the type of professional that can help with this is a, a, a genetic counselor with experience in, in cancer. There are now certified genetic counselors that work in every comprehensive cancer center in the country. Uh, we're we're kind of all over the place now. Um, and most uh, doctors have relationships with genetic counselors that they work with, although some doctor's offices perform it themselves. So, again, the first place to start is with your own doctor and ask mm-hmm. the question, you know, what do you think? Uh, your doctor will likely ask you more questions about the family history. If there is something suspicious, then there can be uh, a further discussion either with your doctor or with someone like myself, a a genetic counselor, Mm -hmm. um, who will go through more of the details of the history. We typically take at least a a three-generation family history, so we're going to ask you about your siblings, your brothers and sisters, your parents, grandparents, Mm -hmm. your aunts and uncles, and it's important to sometimes talk to your relatives about the history because some cancers are discussed in families more than others, Um, and we know from our research that For example, breast cancer is often discussed, and breast cancer family history is often very accurate. Colon cancer, on the other hand, is very inaccurate and often not discussed, which is kind of a shame. Um, There are many people who are not even aware that they have a family history of colon cancer because no one talked about it. Right, right. So, So I want to bring Cindy in for a minute. So, Cindy... 
Um, this is affecting your whole family here. I mean, has this changed the Thanksgiving table conversation? I mean, <laughs> you know, how is, your fa- how is your family dealing with this? How is your family talking about this now, this whole new kind of set of knowledge within your family? Oh, it's definitely talked about and uh, yeah. means that, um, you know, your whole family's involved, especially in my situation where my parents, only two children, both have colon cancer at the same time. And, mm. and so all the family is very aware of what's going on. There is no way for anybody not have been in the loop. Um, it is very much talked about. And we found, too, that relatives kind of come out of the, the woodwork to say, mm-hmm. hey, um, you think I should get tested? Um, and, you know, like, like Jill said, you have to go through that criteria to decide um, wh- whether you should or, or shouldn't. Um, but I do think that that knowing might change some people's behaviors because what kinds of things are turning this um, mutation to actually, if you want to say, cause you to have the cancer? Because if you have the Lynch syndrome, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to have it. We keep talking about the 80-some-odd percent chance of getting colorectal cancer. What about that 20% that you won't get it? Right. What makes those people different? I I want to know that answer. and 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 just back to the question, Cindy, about so you you know, you have four children, two have been tested, one is positive, one is negative. What has been the conversation between those two? I mean, well, I could, I could imagine there's some resentment. Maybe there's some jokes. Maybe there's something. I mean, is it affecting their dynamic Actually, as siblings? I'm not sure she's had the opportunity to tell him because he's serving in our Marines um, in Japan at the mm-hmm. current time. So, mm-hmm. so I'm not even sure she's been able to have that conversation with him yet um, yeah. to tell him that she actually has that. So, yeah. um, But the fact that when we knew that my niece and nephew had tested positive, there was yeah. kind of a grim, ooh, you know. So now we're like, woohoo, um, now we're in there too, because now I have one that's tested positive. And, and she is, she is so knowledgeable and she, mm-hmm. she has not, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, if you know you might have this tendency towards this, you're gonna be more aware of your body, what you're putting into your body, how you're treating your body. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're gonna take better care of yourself. I was, I had the opportunity to actually speak with Dr. Lynch, um, who discovered this gene, mm. and I asked him, what is turning the gene on? Yes. When I smoked when I was 20, did that turn it on? Yes. Um, you know, because there's something that's turning on, and they are doing research of what kind mm. of activity were you doing in your younger days that might, might have a, an impact on that gene. Do you have any regrets about getting the test, Cindy? Absolutely not. Uh, I'm yeah. so happy because I, if I can save my children from going through what I went through with stage 3 colorectal cancer, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. So it just, for you and your family, it's, it's just been about being educated, being empowered. It's giving you the information and the knowledge, as you said, to sort of act responsibly, to think about behavior change, to think about all those things, and that's given you the knowledge to do that. Yes, and I think that is, is like a big fist over cancer, like, come on, because I'm, I'm here. And I, mm. <laughs> I have the power now. So we're getting towards the um, end of our show. We only have a couple minutes here. But, Jill, what advice would you give to someone who's considering whether or not to undergo genetic testing? So I would say that it would be very helpful to seek out someone who has expertise in this area mm-hmm. um, because the testing is not always straightforward. The results are not always straightforward. Um, it's important that someone is following you who has knowledge about uh, the condition so that appropriate recommendations can be made. 
Um, and it's something that not everyone is deeply familiar with. Hopefully, as time goes on, more and more people uh, will become knowledgeable about this. But uh, it is probably to your benefit to seek out someone who is uh, more experienced with this condition. There's a lot of good information about this condition on the National Cancer Institute's website. It is mm-hmm. a peer-reviewed source of information, meaning experts have reviewed the information and judged mm-hmm. it accurate, and that's at www.cancer.gov. And mm-hmm. on the National Cancer Institute's website, there's also a directory that you can look for that has cancer genetics experts who are around the country that one can consult with. And are you more likely to find them at, at the bigger kind of academic centers? Um, yes, you are. Um, like any other specialty, it's more uh, likely that you will encounter someone at a tertiary or, uh, uh, you know, a larger medical center who has this expertise. But there are people all over the place who, who do know mm-hmm. and follow people with, with Lynn syndrome. Um, and awareness is increasing about this condition. So it's, it's okay to ask, you know, how many mm-hmm. people do you follow with this condition? Right. Is this something you're familiar with? Uh, do you routinely order genetic testing? Do you know how, do you feel comfortable interpreting results? Um, so asking those questions is really okay. And I think yeah. the genetic counselor is telling the people, um, you know, if we do this test, what do you plan to do with the results? If you right. test positive or if you test negative, preparing them before they even get the results. Right. No, that's a great. Those are good questions. I think for people to uh, uh, to ask. Um, this has uh, been a great uh, uh, a, a great conversation. Um, uh, Cindy, just quickly before we uh, get to the end of the show, do you do you feel differently of, about your life now? What is what has cancer done for you? What has cancer oh, meant for you in your life? Absolutely. Um, I think I I'm, I've had the pleasure of, of being on your show before, and I've told you I went back to school. I got a, a, a degree uh, to exercise my brain to deal with all the chemo brain issues I was having. Mm-hmm. I got my motorcycle license, and I'm still going to jump out of a plane this year. I promise no. you. I'm I love it. You that. better call me and tell me when you're doing that. <laughs> I want to see it. pictures. I want the video. <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, I want to thank both of you for sharing such incredibly valuable uh, information with our listeners today. I think these are complicated issues, and you really helped us to break them down and, uh, and help folks understand them. Um, I, I just want to mention that... Uh, the cancer support community. We have a, a third edition of our popular educational booklet, frankly speaking, about cancer, um, colorectal cancer. Uh, it, it is a free publication. It's very well done with lots of medical experts, um, but but easy to understand information about navigating um, a colon cancer diagnosis. And uh, there is in, uh, more in-depth information in the booklet about Lynch syndrome. Uh, you can order um, a free copy of this book at www.cancersupportcommunity.org, or you can call us toll-free at 888 888- Seven nine three nine three five five. Again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the uh, the Wellness Community and Gildas Club have recently merged to become the Cancer Support Community. So we've got fifty centers uh, around the country where we are providing uh, support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. These services are uh, free of charge for people with all cancers um, at all stage of disease, and also for the family members and loved ones of people with cancer. And again, uh, you can visit us at Cancer Support community.org. Uh, There's also a place on that website where you can um, make a donation to support the work of our organization if you feel so inclined. Um, we uh, we uh, offer our services to people with cancer for free, but obviously it costs quite a bit to, uh, to make those services free, and we appreciate your support. Um, 
This marks the end of a, of a great discussion today. Again, I want to thank our guests for joining us on Frankly Speaking uh, About Cancer. I certainly learned an incredible amount today, and I'm confident that our, uh, our audience did as well. I want to dedicate our episode today to our good friends at Fight Colorectal Cancer. Uh, Fight Colorectal Cancer strives to create changes in policy that will increase and improve research and treatments for patients with all stages of colorectal cancer. Um, we really admire and support the work that you do um, at Fight Colorectal Cancer as patient advocates on behalf of pe- people facing colon cancer and, and uh, the people who care about them. So we, um, uh, we applaud your work and we encourage you to keep up the great work that you're doing uh, on behalf of this folks and the, these folks. And it's just great to uh, have such wonderful partners in the cancer community. So thank you for joining us today uh, on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.